Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. Our today podcast guest managed to get 70,000 followers on Instagram in seven months, and now he is doing the same on LinkedIn. So we are going to talk about engaging content, increasing visibility, and becoming a genuine expert on LinkedIn platform. Here is Hrabren Bankov, alias Marketing Harry. So Hrabren, thank you very much for um, being here with us uh, today on our uh, another episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast. And... Um, uh, before for, before any any uh, delays, I will ask you straight away the first question, and that is, um, how have you started with LinkedIn, and what is your relationship with LinkedIn? That's a great question. So I recently posted on my LinkedIn feed uh, my view on social media, which was cheat on your social media platform. I first began my social media presence for me specifically close to eight months ago on Instagram. And in the past eight months, I've been able to generate close to 8,000 followers. In the past two months, I have been actively cross-platform promoting my presence on LinkedIn as well. And I've been able to generate close to 2,000 followers in a really short span. But what is most important is that my relationship with LinkedIn is that I am currently cheating on Instagram with LinkedIn. My goal is to develop an omnipresence, which will be able to all generate traffic for me, utilizing the different platforms, the different audiences in those platforms and the different needs of those platforms as well. So I've been posting daily on LinkedIn. I've been engaging, utilizing some of the strategies that I employ on Instagram as well in order to, I, in my opinion, um, have a really healthy Mm. social media presence on LinkedIn specifically. Okay, uh, we will get to that nitty-gritty of stuff, you know, what you do and how and all that. Uh, but before, before that, um, I want to ask you, because you are a digital marketing uh, expert, you expert who uh, made your name on, um, mostly on Instagram first. What prompted you Correct. to actually switch to LinkedIn and why you are on LinkedIn right now? What is, what is so, yeah. um, so appealing in this platform for you as a digital marketer? Yeah, so as a social media marketing expert, my understanding of the different platforms have always been that different platforms speak different languages. So Facebook and Instagram, they speak languages that are close to each other. But let's say Instagram and YouTube speak completely different languages. The audience is different. The content type is different. The way you build the community is different. Now, the languages that Instagram and LinkedIn speak, they are different as well. And one of my core beliefs as a social media marketing expert has been that you should be there in the place in which your audience resides in. And a big part of my audience for the audience which serves my social media agency reside in LinkedIn. That in a combination with the fact that LinkedIn still isn't really caught up to all the new content types, such as, let's say, 10-slide carousels, which I utilize heavily in my content strategy, which have been all the rage in Instagram, allows me to generate organic reach, which isn't possible anywhere else at the moment. For example, I, in the past one month, have generated well over 1,000 
100,000 uh, reach on LinkedIn specifically, utilizing a few of my posts which have been successful and repurposing them on LinkedIn, which organically is completely impossible, let's say on platforms such as Facebook with zero presence beforehand. Sure. So, so I, these factors, yes? Yeah, so what I hear you saying is basically um, uh, you like the platform because the organic reach on LinkedIn um, is still um, very, very different from uh, the organic reach, for example, on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook because um, as, as far as I understand and as far as I know, um, many many social media experts they they keep talking about this that you know the organic reach on the Facebook and Instagram is getting more and more difficult yeah. and uh, you actually have to spend money and pay um, in order to get somewhere in front of your uh, in front of your client and in front of your audience whereas on LinkedIn is still very much possible to do everything without spending any marketing yeah. dollar right yeah so you are correct you definitely have to spend something on Facebook it, it uh, lies heavily into, as you mentioned, monetary value. Whilst on Instagram, you can also get organic reach by spending your time or the time of your agency, let's say, in generating organic traffic. So let's say engagement is a big part of growing on Instagram, which isn't a big part on growing on Facebook. But either way, you have to spend something to feed the algorithm data. Either it is money or it is time. Whilst on LinkedIn, with minimal management, I've been able to generate results which have been quite surprising for me, even as a person who is in the social media marketing space for the past seven years. Mm -hmm. um, you're servicing clients across the board, um, and I know that you're from Bulgaria, and it's kind of like interesting to have somebody on a show from, from that part of the world. Um, I've been actually in Bulgaria a few times and I, I, like, I like the country I was as a small kid, but uh, that's just put that aside. But I wanted to, I wanted to know what prompts you to um, uh, suggest LinkedIn for your clients? What is, what is important uh, from that perspective as a social media marketer? Why would uh, somebody as a social media marketer um, uh, recommend uh, their client to spend time and invest time and, and yeah. visibility on LinkedIn. Yeah. So going full circle back to the beginning in which I mentioned that each social media platform speaks a different language. And the language that LinkedIn and the audience that is in LinkedIn speaks is really well optimized for clients who are focused more on B2B. So clients who make most of their revenue based on other businesses thrive on LinkedIn. And there are even some really creative ways of utilizing LinkedIn for other B2C customer-based customer companies as well. So LinkedIn is a really well-rounded platform as of right now, which in my opinion should stay as such, focus more on the B2B sector because that is one of the unique selling propositions of the platform. And I always recommend LinkedIn when it makes sense for the business model of my customers. And because my specialty is focused on helping other experts in variety of categories, let's say personal trainers or uh, any other expert with expertise in his field, getting recognition on social media, most of those experts thrive on LinkedIn as well because their personal brands are speaking directly to the audience of LinkedIn. So the most important 
element when selecting which social media platforms to focus and which ones to focus first is what is your business objective and this the social media platform serve your business objectives through the audience that it has on it mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense of course uh, figure out who is your target audience and if your target uh, target audience resides at the linkedin you know, um, you know that makes sense that you should be on linkedin too right and uh, be visible on linkedin talking about visibility and um, and being in front of uh, of our clients and our uh, target audience what are uh, the the methods and strategies which you normally uh, suggest to to your clients in order to be like, um, becoming a little bit more visible uh, um, on on LinkedIn? Correct. So, as I mentioned to you before our interview, the way that I look at social media is more focused on sociology rather than technology, and because of this, one of the main methodologies that I utilize when trying to grow a presence on any social media platform, not only on LinkedIn, is give before you take. This in human psychology has been called the reciprocity principle, meaning that you scratch my back and I will scratch yours, which leads to if you want to generate any kind of attention, then you need to give the same attention back. And this comes in the forms of engagement. That's why I mentioned that on Instagram, engagement is one of the key methodologies of growth. And I believe that engagement is one of the key methodologies of growth on LinkedIn. And there are a ton of possibilities uh, in comparison to platforms such as Facebook or platforms such as YouTube, in which these possibilities are quite limited. That's why one of the best ways to grow on LinkedIn is by actually giving attention to other people, either in groups which are relevant to what you are showcasing, big influencer accounts which you want to be related to, or the comment, uh, even the comment sections of these big creators which I mentioned in the beginning, which can be a great source of potential leads and followers for your social media presence on LinkedIn. Right. And what you want to do then is to drop all expectations and be genuine in engaging with others. Because at the end of the day, you will always receive the engagement that you put in, especially in the beginning, before actually winning the trust of the audience. You have to generate some kind of social proof. And those comments, let's say you put on big influencer accounts, the comments you put in uh, LinkedIn groups, the comments you put on the profiles of your target audience can serve as a billboard for your social media presence. Someone reads them, then they can decide if they want to take action. And in most cases, that action is profile visits. Now you can take those profile visits and you can then translate and convert them into followers. And based on this, you can actually calculate your conversion rate. Mm -hmm. Now, the conversion rate can also be utilized for a plethora of factors, for example, optimizing your profile if you aren't converting. But the first step is to actually generate profile visits. And I mentioned quickly, uh, groups, big creator accounts, and the comment section of these accounts can be utilized to generate those profile visits in the first place. Okay. Um, so let's be let's be specific. You know, um, I always I always uh, like to, to hear the word authentic and genuine and all that. What does it mean? Um, actually in terms of um of a creating creating those you know you mentioned uh, in a, you know comments in groups or you know likes and all that you know to in order to generate a little bit more of our profile profile visits 
correct. So authenticity and trustworthiness, let's say, these have become somewhat of a buzzword lately. That's why I intentionally use them really briefly and I try to substitute them to something which makes a lot more sense to me, which is being genuine. Because being genuine is quite simple. You just have to be yourself. In my case, in the example of the Brave Social Media Marketing, which is the way that I position myself, I need to be bold, authentic, and I have to say what is on my mind. A quick example of this is recently Gary Vaynerchuk shared one post on his feed. I didn't agree with that post. I said that they didn't agree with that post in the comment section. And I began a discussion with other members, which brought a lot more connections to me, which brought engagement for Gary Vaynerchuk, of course, but engagement to my profile as well, because there are other people who either agree with my point of view or who would uh, take interest in discussing relevant matters. And this for me means genuinity. You don't have to be afraid of the social media presence and authority that someone else has built. You have to say what is on your mind. And if I can present another example, then it could be you have a big spectrum of cases of social media brands. In one case of the spectrum, you are like everybody else. You say what other people say, you position yourself like other people position themselves. And on the other spectrum, there are brands who are really, really, really uh, unique. Now, most people are closer to this side of the spectrum. They are on the safe side. They try to be politically correct. They try to present themselves as a person who everybody will like. But here's the thing. A community for everybody is a community for no one. And at the end of the day, in your social media presence, the goal is to form a community of like-minded individuals. And you cannot build such a community if you do not have a stand on important topics. For example, if you are a personal coach, you cannot say you have to focus on both cardio and you need to focus on eating well. You need to choose your stand and you need to reflect the stand in everything that you do. That's why my brand colors are red. That's why I use really dark imagery. That's why I use uh, figures which are rectangle and have straight and sharp edges because my positioning has been one of the brave, of the bold, the one who says things like they are. And you need to find what makes you unique. For example, bravery actually comes from my name, which literally translates to being brave in my native language. So I took this, I made it my unique selling proposition and I focused my whole brand around that. <laughs> so this for me means authenticity. This for me means genuinity, being who you are. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that, that makes sense. On the other hand, I would, I would argue that uh, there are many business owners and uh, they would like to connect with um, the other business owners they can do business right. with. They not necessarily would like to um, uh, sort of like a, go into the argument about, about certain topics and figuring out if the values are the similar like the other, other people values. What would you say about that? Like, um, should we be really uh, like quote-unquote controversial or we should rather stick to on, on the platform like LinkedIn, for example, to more political correct messages because we just we want to we want to do business with people we don't want to argue about certain certain um, certain topics right correct and being attentive to being yourself doesn't mean arguing with others it means stating what you believe in and 
unless you do it, uh, I will go back to the example with the spectrum that I gave. If you want to be politically correct, then you will be in the one side of the spectrum because you need to agree with everything that other people agree with. And if too many people are in this side of the spectrum, then the so-called echo chamber is created, meaning that one person says something and because this one person is influential, everyone else starts repeating that message. And this makes you blend in with the crowd. So if you truly want to do business with other people and really pull people like a magnet to yourself, then you need to accept, accept the thought that you do not have to be like everybody else and not everyone should like you. Because when you have a really strong stand on something, let's say, and go back to the example with the Gary Vaynerchuk post, yes, 50% or even more might not have agreed with me, but the rest have liked me even more. Meaning that when you drop the expectations of everyone liking you, you actually start to pull and attract a lot more people who resonate with your point of view in comparison with being the same as everybody else and attracting a really, really small portion. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying to me sounds like being afraid to state what you truly believe in because you want to be liked by everybody else. And I can go back to the example with the community which I gave. If you are liked by everyone, you are liked by no one because you cannot truly be liked by everyone. Everyone has their own ideas. Everyone has their cultural differences. As you mentioned, you never had someone from this part of the world before on your show. And my ideas, my visions might be completely different from the ideas and the visions of the people before me. Mm -hmm. But this doesn't mean that my ideas are correct or your ideas are correct. This means that I am different and you are different and that's normal. Now, when you air this episode, there might be people who agree with me. They might be people who don't agree with me. The people who agree with me, they might join my tribe. They might become my customers in the future. But this means that I am completely okay with losing the other half of the people who don't agree with me. Mm -hmm. And because I am completely sure that the 50% of the people who agree with me will generate connections with me, which are a lot deeper and the return on my time investment is worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so basically what you're saying is um, um, be, um, don't be afraid to, um, to, don't, uh, to disagree with, uh, with somebody and, and voice your opinion, uh, maybe not in a very controversial form, um, right. but uh, you know, politely, but make sure that your voice is heard, um, if, if that's, uh, that's what, uh, what you're basically saying. Um, Rabran, uh, I know that uh, you made your you made your tribe um, usually uh, on on Instagram, and then now you're moving to uh, to LinkedIn. And uh, I wanted to ask you: uh, Are there any strategies which you are taking from Instagram and implementing them on LinkedIn? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I first the first really fundamental thing that I am implementing is the content type. Yes, there are some sort of differences, as I mentioned, languages that are spoken on LinkedIn and languages which are spoken on Instagram are different, but the fundamental principle stays the same. People want to learn something new. People want to enrich their point of view, at least for the brand that I am building. That's why the educational type courses that I'm providing, the 10 sliders, they work great both on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And in the beginning, I made sure to verify that by testing different content formats. So 
I took the content that works from Instagram that I already had data from and I repurposed it on LinkedIn. So this is one of the strongest things that I incorporated. The other thing is the way that I actually nurture my community. One of the things that I make sure to do frequently is actually answer all the comments that I get, both on my Instagram and on my LinkedIn page, because this creates a stronger connection. Another thing that I absolutely love to do, and it's a strategy to actually double the amount of comments you get, is by forming discussions in your comment sections. So what I am currently incorporating is that I'm not only answering the comments that I get, but I ask a follow-up question about them. That's why I form stronger connections. And at the same time, the algorithm is also happy. And of course, reciprocity. So engaging with others, giving the attention that I want to generate for myself is something that is fundamental, a fundamental principle on any social media platform. Because yes, the cliche, you have to be social media on social media platforms. You basically have to be social on social media platforms. And that is a cliche, but that works. Mm -hmm. So this, these are some of the fundamental principles that I employ. And of course, there are cer certain tricks, techniques that can be employed. For example, uh, one thing that I use both on Instagram and on LinkedIn is that when I get a comment on one of my posts, I don't like it. I just reply back. Then when I make a new post, then I like all my comments. This does two things. First, the person obviously receives notifications that you have liked their comment, which reminds them about you. And the second thing is that I actually form a habit with my audience, that every time that they receive a notification that I have liked their comment, then I have made a new post. So they go back to my profile and check my post. So this is a, a neat little trick that can be employed to get more profile visits and more engagement, especially early on on your posts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a nice nice tip for better engagement on um, on your post. Yeah, that uh, that sounds good. Um, my question would be, uh, how long how much time do you spend on uh, on LinkedIn in these days? Thirty minutes daily, mm -hmm. and this could be scaled up as opposed to the six hours that I spent on Instagram when I began. But for my goals on LinkedIn, I deem that 30 minutes are quite frequent. I schedule all my content beforehand because I have to focus on my business. So I, content isn't an issue. The only thing that I do is engage prior and after the post, mm -hmm. which gives more engagement for the specific post. So around 30 minutes of engagement in total, 50 minutes before a new post, 50 minutes after the new post, and then if I get some messages, of course, throughout the day, I have specific time slots for answering GMs, both on Instagram and LinkedIn, but I don't count that because it's not really that much of time, 30 minutes in total. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. And I would like to ask you, what is your opinion about visibility on LinkedIn? How often one should post in order to be visible to the client? Correct. So 
obviously Winnie the Pooh has said it the best, the more the better, because that way you give more data to the algorithm. It can match you with your dream client and forward easier. And you also, obviously, the more you post, the more opportunities for visibility you get. But what I love advising my clients is that you shouldn't burn yourself out too soon. Uh, I have seen countless cases of people who are really talented. They have great work ethic. They have great content. They engage and have the personality necessary to do that. But they force themselves to post, post too frequently. And they stop posting after one, two months. That's why my point of view is that you should post as frequently as you can without any bullshit excuses, of course. Sorry for my language, but that's part of my brand identity. So without any excuses, post as frequently as you can, but be careful not to burn yourself out because social media is a marathon, not a sprint. The goal should be to be here in one year, not to be here in one month and then quit. So make sure you find the sustainable content creation process for you, optimize it so you can make as many content pieces as possible, but don't force yourself and don't burn yourself out because at the end of the day, this will actually hurt you more than it helps you. Okay. Um, what type of content works for you and for your audience best? Yeah. So by there, uh, there are two things that I see by type of content. First, obviously, it is the format, carousels, video, single images, status updates. This is the content format. And then the type of content I see and I categorize with educational, inspirational, and entertaining. On LinkedIn, I try to be as educational and inspirational as possible. Whilst on Instagram, I allow myself to, for example, post memes, engage a little bit more with my audience in an untraditional way. Whilst on LinkedIn, I keep my content types specifically on educational and inspirational. And I combine them with single images, short status updates seem to be working better than long ones for me, and carousels, which I have actually uh, gotten a lot of my audience from Instagram on LinkedIn, so they are used to my carousels. For the LinkedIn audience, carousels are actually quite new, so I would say that they are still in the early adoption phase, and not a lot of people on LinkedIn are used to seeing them, does the engagement is uh, lower if they do not re resonate with my audience, but they definitely have a lot of potential, especially for generating more engagement, more sales on your posts, more comments on your posts, more likes on your posts, because you give your audience more opportunities to engage as well. So as of right now, I am utilizing carousels, short status updates and single images the most, combining them with educational and inspirational content. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially with the documents so which you're sharing, which you call carousels, um, because they, of course, they create a little bit more dwell time and, uh, and LinkedIn algorithm is actually calculating the dwell time on each, each post. And if Correct. that is made properly and the content is uh, done right, um, I think it can bring a lot, of, uh, a lot of time that people are actually um, you know, spending with your, your post. Yeah. Therefore, your dwell time is, is, is better. And then also our LinkedIn algorithm is picking this up, right? Yeah. Well, this is really true because from the four posts, which have generated me more than one, 100,000 are reach on LinkedIn. Three of them are carousels. But 
they, they have a lot of potential for rewards, but they are also really risky. So there is a hit or miss type of scenario with carousels. You either have to optimize them to, as you mentioned, um, optimize them for as, main, uh, as much dwell time as possible, or you need to uh, give up on them because they are not going to be working for you. Yeah. So either utilize carousels correctly, they are a risky approach, but they are worth it, or stick to the short status updates. Long status updates can uh, also work depending on the audience and single images because they seem to be the safer option and work almost every single time. Mm -hmm. um, I like I like what you're mentioning here about the carousels. Um, again, um, just it's it's uploading a document like right, a PDF uh, on uh, on the post. Um, and I know that on Instagram it's been it's been there for a while, and people have actually very very good experiences with them. Uh, what are the main aspects of a of a success, successful uh, carousel on LinkedIn? That's a great question. Obviously, the first thing that users see are the cover images, meaning the headline, the visuals, and the call to action that you have in the first slide. If this hook doesn't work, then your whole carousel won't work as well because people won't swipe it. Meaning that the thing that you need to pay the most attention to is actually the cover image. You need to have a good hook to stop the swiping, which is the first part, and then you have to have a um, curiosity building up to make users want to learn the answer. You do not want to give the whole answer in the cover image because if that's going to be the case, then simply do a single image. Meaning that you have to optimize your hook in the beginning and you have to optimize your visuals, which have to stop the attention. So these are the two main elements that I would say for the cover image specifically. Then later on, what I actually utilize is the ADA model uh, with a little tweak at the end. So the first part is attention, then the second part is interest. Now in the interest part, you actually create and generate interest in the second to the eighth slide. You tell your audience a little bit more about the issue. You speak why it's important, what are the downsides, what are the benefits. By doing this, you basically prime your audience to want to learn the end, meaning that they will swipe to the third part of the ADA model, which is usually desire, but Chris though actually changed it to detail and I am utilizing his formula in which you want to give as much information as possible because that way you are leaving a good taste in the mouth of your customer. And they are a lot more likely to engage, to even DM you after the post because the amount of value you shared with them. And then at the end, you spark some kind of action, either in the comment sections, you tell people to like, share, comment, save the post or message you. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen that your, your carousels are very well designed. Usually um, they have a very nice, um, a nice cover photo and, uh, and they have a very, you know, I know that you're using black and red colors uh, on, your, on, your, on your carousels. Um, what do you use? Where do you actually produce these? Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I utilize Photoshop, but in my eight month experience in the carousel community on Instagram, I have seen people creating them from everything from their phones to programs such as Keynote on Mac, Canva, which is a browser tool, Photopea, which is basically Photoshop, but free and in a browser. So just because I utilize Photoshop doesn't mean that everyone else should do so as well. 
I just find it the most intuitive for the type of carousel that I want to create, which is really visually intensive mm -hmm. rather than the uh, usual carousels, which are usually type and hierarchical uh, design based. Okay. Um... So let's, um, um, before we wrap up with, uh, with the carousels, I would like to ask one more question and that is sometimes you see uh, people using, using the documents or, or the, 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 the PDFs which they are uploading there and they have a lot of, on the slides, they have a lot of text. Um, what, is, what, is the, what, what is the right amount? You know, is, it, is it really giving a lot of information or is it just kind of like a shout out? What, what, is, your, what is your advice? Yeah. So... If you want to appeal to the mainstream audience, you need to keep your message simple and short. That way you basically can have the user swipe through the whole carousel in less than one minute and leave an engagement, which is what most people are able to invest in a single content piece. If you have built trust with your audience or you have, for example, generated enough interest, then you can afford going more deeply into your carousel because you are aware that your audience is going to be making a time investment when they consume your post. And if you have utilized the ADA model properly, then the time investment would be worth it for your user. That's why you either have to stick with short and simple, or you can stick to a more detail-oriented carousel but you need to do your homework. You need to have experience in order to deliver the information in a way that the user will actually uh, read through the whole thing. I personally, in the beginning, saw that most people actually didn't give clear and practical information. They were stuck in the vague information. They were just giving outlines that everyone else could fall, uh, find on the internet and just apply. They weren't talking from experience. That's why my carousels actually became the so-called course carousels in which in a single 10 slide carousels, I was basically creating a structure. I was giving based on this structure, a lot of value, a lot of practical examples, which people can basically take as a whole, whole course on the topic. Hmm. So it depends, definitely it depends. I have seen successful carousels, which are really short and simple and focused more on the message. I have seen carousels, which are focused more on the visual aesthetics and not too much out of uh, other than that and i have seen courses which are successful and they are a lot more deeper so it depends on your goal and it also depends on the type of relationship you have with your audience hmm. um yeah actually um i have to say that uh, i'm I'm using the carousels as well. And then I've seen, I just recently shared one, which was um, um, LinkedIn checklist. I created a short carousel about LinkedIn checklist and it got, uh, you know, very, very nice, um, nice engagement there over 10,000 views and, um, uh, and a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of comments, That's which great. is, yeah, which is, which is fantastic. Um, so um, uh, let's, let's leave carousels now and let's swipe left and uh, move to, to another uh, very interesting interesting and new feature on LinkedIn and that's LinkedIn Stories. Um, obviously on Instagram this has been the feature for many many uh, I think years now and um, now LinkedIn Stories actually stories are coming coming to LinkedIn. Uh, you as in somebody who is probably using a lot of stories on Instagram I would like to know uh, are you using stories on LinkedIn and if so um, what is your take on, on LinkedIn Stories? So I love your questions. And as a person who is quite controversial myself and brave, uh, they, are, they fit me well. 
So LinkedIn stories are a feature that, as you mentioned, they came recently to LinkedIn. And most people upon their arrival were separated into two camps. One of them loved them, the other camp didn't like them at all. They thought that the, the point of stories wasn't on LinkedIn, stories weren't going to be utilized on LinkedIn for their purpose, and there was no need for such feature. Also on the other side, people loved the new change. They thought that this will enable them to connect with their communities better, uh, will give them more reach and visibility, which is true. I personally, I'm a big fan of stories as a community management tool. I use them on Instagram really heavily, not to attract new followers, but to actually connect with my existing ones deeper. And I believe that LinkedIn stories should be utilized the same way. You can do posts in your stories. You can connect with your audience on a deeper level. You can do teases. You can do product launches. You can do basically anything that one of your true fans would be interested in watching as well as optimize your stories, for example, for big collaborations that you have coming in. So for example, when you collaborate with someone else which has a developed LinkedIn presence and you presume that you will be getting profile visits on your profile, you can optimize your stories for these new profile visits in order to convert them better into followers. So I do believe that LinkedIn stories are here for good. They can be utilized and most of the people who didn't like LinkedIn stories were afraid to actually try them out, to get to go on camera, to show their face. And these, these fears are actually keeping them away from something that can potentially be quite helpful to them. Hmm. But don't you think that, uh, that LinkedIn stories are, um, you know, in a, in a way very, very different from Instagram stories? Because on Instagram, obviously stories were, were there for the, for the young generation to keep them engaged and, um, you know, because they were on the platform very, very actively. Um, on LinkedIn, I can see that, you know, people are not really, you know, you don't see people spending eight hours a day on, on LinkedIn. As you mentioned, usually you go there, you retrieve certain information which you want to, and then you leave. So, so Instagram story for that, that matter, if they, if they are, you know, in 24 hours, if they are gone, and if some people, they're coming back to the LinkedIn in three days, for example, they will never see your stories. That's correct. But at the same time, I do not believe that stories are utilized solely by youngsters. Yes, that might have been the case in the beginning, but similar to, let's say, TikTok, which in the beginning was seen as an application solely for young people and then transitioned into something that brands such as Gucci found relevant can happen with LinkedIn stories as well. Yes, you are correct. The, the user behavior or LinkedIn is different than the one on Instagram. But at the same time, there are as many people who come to LinkedIn every single day uh, as with people who come every other day. So utilizing your stories to build a stronger community for the people who are on LinkedIn every single day is still a viable option and still should be taken as an opportunity because LinkedIn is basically giving you free real estate. And when everyone is concerned on how to increase their visibility on LinkedIn, not utilizing LinkedIn stories is plain stupid because that is definitely something that is an opportunity that LinkedIn is testing out. And even if you do not take advantage of LinkedIn stories, even if they do not go well for LinkedIn in general and the future is crap, you will still gain a really valuable skill set and you will still develop better relationship with your community than you had before. So 
utilizing LinkedIn stories is in my eyes, a worthy opportunity, even if it doesn't turn into the next big thing for LinkedIn. Um, you keep talking about communities on, on, uh, on a LinkedIn and how to build a community, how to become the leader of your community. And I know that you mentioned something at the beginning and that was uh, a groups, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn groups. Um, are you actually utilizing LinkedIn groups in some way or another? Or what is your take on LinkedIn groups? So they can be a great tool both for businesses who create those groups and then foster a community which might or not or might not be related to their business and at the same time there are also great opportunities for people who are trying to grow their presence initially because LinkedIn groups are basically guaranteed to have the audience that you want for your account as well meaning that if you become one of the members who is quite active on those groups you can uh, anticipate to attract a lot of followers for you as well so in my opinion, they are worth it. I personally utilize them. I have made quite a bit of connections for those, uh, from those LinkedIn groups. I have posted my content on those LinkedIn groups and actually gotten a fair and decent amount of engagement back. So if you truly want to maximize your results, yes, you can use LinkedIn groups. Are they the most important feature for growth? I don't believe so but they are definitely there. And just like LinkedIn stories, there are free real estate that LinkedIn is providing you and you can uh, take for yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I, want, I wanted to ask you like maybe maybe some, some of the questions like when you, when you will be looking in the crystal ball, right? Um, what do you think about LinkedIn and its, its future? Uh, if you if you look at it from the you know like the, the the scope of social media platforms you know what do you think about about LinkedIn and its future? I think that as long as LinkedIn stays in what it is doing best, which is serving businesses, it will thrive. As of right now, LinkedIn is doing phenomenally in terms of recurring users month to month. The organic reach is great. Obviously, they want to monetize a bit of that organic reach. And with time, the organic reach will dwell downwards. And then the people who are here only for the reach without any clear purpose, they will be the first to jump off the LinkedIn ship. And at this moment, it is extremely important what LinkedIn does. Because if LinkedIn keeps monetizing, if LinkedIn keeps being greedy and tries to take all the reach for themselves, something that has happened, for example, with Facebook, then the amount of users that they will be able to retain is a lot lower. Whilst if they employ a similar strategy to Facebook, uh, in which they basically hook their users, they create a system that doesn't allow them to go anywhere else and then start monetizing more aggressively, then LinkedIn should have a pretty stable position in the social media marketing world. Having said that, I don't believe that LinkedIn will become the next mainstream social media platform. I believe that LinkedIn can have a really healthy community, but it will always be capped by the category and the niche it has chosen. And if they decide to go outside of that niche, if they decide to go mainstream, then LinkedIn will lose all the unique capabilities that they had before that. Mm -hmm. So I believe that doing that what doing uh, what LinkedIn is doing is correct, but they need to stay humble. They don't need to be greedy and capitalize on the whole market. They can take what they uh, they have been doing well, and they can double down on their strengths. Mm -hmm. um Okay, so, so um, my last question would be, 
uh, more personal. Uh, and uh, you're talking about a strategy. What is your strategy on LinkedIn and what do you want to accomplish on LinkedIn? That's a great question. So my strategy on LinkedIn is to position and strengthen actually my positioning as a really well-rounded expert in the field. One of my goals uh, in 2021 is to become a global keynote speaker. As of right now, I have hosted my own conferences in Bulgaria. I have been a lecturer in uh, conferences in Bulgaria, and I want to expand that and grow, uh, grow globally. To do that, one of the most important aspects is to have a professional LinkedIn presence, and that is exactly what I'm trying to accomplish. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So we will monitor your journey. Um, we'll watch you closely. And uh, before we go, Hrabrem, uh, would you be so kind and tell us where can people find a little bit more about you? Of course. So my handles both on LinkedIn and on Instagram are Marketing Harry. Harry is the name that most people utilize when referring to me because Hrabrem is too long and uh, <laughs> difficult even for people in my native country. And if you'd like to dominate social media marketing, this is the place that you need to be in. Awesome. Thank you very much, Rabren. Thank you very much, Thank Marketing you. Harry, for your time today. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope to, to see you in the future on our LinkedIn Smart Podcast again. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. 